0: Hey now, we are getting over and I am the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, here to lead you through these hard times, with episode 239 of your favorite professional wrestling podcast. That's right, Getting Over is back once again and this time it is Thanksgiving, so we are here, as I said, episode 239 to uh, give you a little bit of holiday cheer, but mostly break down everything that happened this past week in AEW, as well as Tuesday night on NXT. Because this is a holiday episode, the Silver King has some plans. The Silver King has football to watch. The Silver King has some beer to drink and food to eat. Uh, We're going to keep this show as short as we possibly can while getting everything important in. We're not going to skip a single thing. So let's quickly get to it. A reminder, this show, Getting Over, So please do us, uh, uh, you know, give us a thank you. Thank us on Thanksgiving. Leave a five-star rating and review for us on Apple Podcasts. And also do not forget to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. Really briefly before we get into the show, a very quick conversation about Thanksgiving food. I want to make something very clear, okay? Turkey over ham. Sweet potatoes with the marshmallows on top, you know, broiled in the oven. Number one side. And most importantly, my hottest take, the number one Thanksgiving dessert is apple pie. It just doesn't get better. Maybe the best dessert of all time. It's it's up there. It's in my top five conversation, maybe top three dessert all time. Apple pie, especially apple pie, a la mood. But the apple pie has to be hot though. Otherwise, what are you even doing? All right. Let's get to the show. Like I said, it is a Thanksgiving edition. We want to be expeditious here. We're going to start with AEW, combining everything that happened on Dynamite and Rampage into, you know, segments where it all fits together nicely. And uh, yeah, then we'll talk about NXT at the end of the show. If you are a listener who only likes AEW or only likes NXT, that's a shame, you know, but what you can do is we have timestamps in our episode description so you can skip around and know exactly uh, what time to begin each section so you can skip the stuff you don't want to listen to. But of course, I hope you listen to the whole show. So let's start with AEW on Dynamite. We'll go into the right to the main event. Uh, Cody Rhodes and Death Triangle fought Malachi Black, Andrade El Idolo, and FTR. Now this match was as chaotic as one would expect. Pentagon hit a really good made in Japan. Cody took out Black with Crossroads and Andrade dodged a Cody superkick that hit Pac instead. Pac then caught Andrade with a sick belly-to-belly in the corner. Just as the match was getting really exciting, Arne Anderson and Tully Blanchard stepped into the ring and did absolutely nothing. FTR came in, so Ray Phoenix took them out, the guys dipped. Uh, Black then misted Pac off the top rope, and Andrade hit him with the hammerlock DDT for the win. I presume they were the legal guys. I have no idea. Uh, for a car crash-style match, This was a lot of fun. There's really just good, fun wrestling. But as I always say with these things, there's no psychology, no storyline. It didn't even set up another story or another direction for this story. It was just Pac taking yet another loss in AEW. The guy seems to lose all the freaking time on television. So... Is there anything really to take away from this other than that it was good wrestling? No. but we knew it was going to be good wrestling going in. So, you know, I'm not being negative about it. I'm just saying there's nothing for me to chew on. You know, I don't have anything else to tell you here. The opposite can be said for the CM Punk Open to Dynamite. Now, there was a scheduled match against QT Marshall. That didn't happen for like 25 minutes into the show. On Rampage, uh, the way this got started was Marshall poked and challenged Punk to a match in Chicago. Punk accepted. On Dynamite, Punk opened the show in the ring. He was getting ready for the match. MJF interrupted to say the pipe bomb was Punk's best moment in his career, while every time MJF speaks, that happens to be his best moment. It was really a try-hard type of promo from MJF. Not his best work, the first part. Uh, Punk no-sold it with a stone face. He said he shut MJF, MJF up last week without saying a word. Punk then called MJF a less famous version of Miz, Which absolutely killed me. That was hysterical. Holy shit, what a freaking line. That was a good one, yeah. Yeah, Randy, that indeed was a good one. MJF continued with some more weak stuff. He called him PG Punk, saying Punk might as well be talking hustle, loyalty, and respect. Okay, very good line there. MJF said Punk spent his entire career being the second best, referring to John Cena and Triple H, and the same is true in AEW, he's second best to MJF. Punk said MJF hated that he went for the heart and soul of AEW first in Darby Allen, and MJF was just jealous because he didn't hold him in the same esteem. Punk said the only way MJF would ascend to number one would be if Tony Khan has a daughter and he marries her. Okay, very good line referring again to Triple H. Punk told him to square up, MJF took off his jacket, and then left the ring. So, hot fire shit right here, obviously. You can tell I love this, top to bottom probably looking at promo segment of 2021 for our year-end awards. Now, I'm not saying individually either of them had the best promo of 2021, but I'm saying that as a segment, it probably will win that award Two people going head-to-head, back and forth, back and forth. The WWE references, they didn't really bother me because it all was necessary context for Punk's career. Look, the truth is, The guy didn't do much that notable before going to WWE, and he was a huge star there. So you kind of do need to reference those things. Now, could they have done it maybe without name-dropping Miz or hustle loyalty, respect? Maybe, I guess. But then you're being unnecessarily vague. So these references were for the smart fan. I enjoyed them. I thought they were appropriate. That's, That's really the key. It's one thing when, like, the AEW mentions WWE just to like try to knock them down and like fights from underneath is punching up. This wasn't punching up. This wasn't insulting. I mean, it it kind of was insulting WWE, but it was in the context of Punk and the feud. So because of that, I had absolutely zero issue with it. Uh, Punk easily won this promo battle though. I was actually talking uh, with Nick Costos. You, you guys remember my former co-host um, over at In This Corner back in the day. He thought MJF won this feud I, I mean, this promo battle, I completely disagree. I thought Punk easily won it. For me, MJF underwhelmed compared to his ceiling. There's something about MJF where he is verbose and he likes to talk longer than he needs to. And I think when you're doing a promo battle with someone like CM Punk, it hurts you because Punk doesn't need to do that. Punk likes to talk, but he does it you know short within the context of what he's saying. He doesn't like meander and just tell a story with his promo, which is basically what MJF does. Nick actually said when I was talking to him, he likened MJF to a comedian. And I said, that's true. But like a comedian, he's trying to get all his stuff in. He's trying to make sure that every word that he has to say is heard. And he doesn't go with the flow as much. So with MJF, it felt very like, not scripted, but pre-planned. He knew what he had to get in and he made sure he got every word in. He didn't go with the flow of the segment and realize, you know what? I'm saying too much here. So that, that's why, for me, Punk won the promo segment. It was great stuff. It is interesting that AEW is doing more WWE style in ring promos. Same with Brian Danielson and Hangman Page. It's another example from last week. It is something to watch going forward to see if that is um, something they're going to do more of or if it just happens to be that MJF and Punk can speak so well that you have to put them in a segment like this. Oh, yeah, by the way, there was a match Punk versus QT. Uh, Punk won with the elbow drop in the GTS. Not at all a notable match, but the promo segment, fantastic. On Rampage, we had Adam Cole and Bobby Fish against Jurassic Express. It was a damn fun match. Jungle Boy hit an elbow version of Cole's last shot for a near fall. The Young Bucks came down and got chased away with a chair. Cole joined them running away, leaving Fish by himself, and he tapped to the snare trap. The finish was a bit of a letdown for me, but it was obvious that Fish was going to take the fall from the opening bell, so I mean, it wasn't much of a surprise. And then on Dynamite, Cole and Fish were frustrated backstage at losing. Best friend showed up, Cole talked trash to them, and I thought they were setting up a tag team match. It seemed obvious, and then they just never had a match on the show, so maybe that happens on Rampage or next week on Dynamite. I'm not really sure. On Dynamite, we had uh, Brian Danielson against Colt Cabana. Colt knocked Brian off the top rope, attempting a backdrop, and hit a great moonsault for a near fall. Danielson then stomped on his head, flexed for the crowd. To mock Colt and easily won with the little bell lock as he licked his lips. The match was pretty good. Uh, the way Brian healed it up though in the finish for me, that is what I thought sold the whole thing. Brian later called the fans fickle, talked shit to Hangman Page. Page came out, challenged him. Brian called it coward shit, given he just wrestled. They brawled for like five seconds and Brian dodged a buckshot lariat. This was fine. I don't know that another face off was necessary when we don't even know when the match is actually like gonna go down. But I'm not sure any wrong can really be done in this feud. It's been pretty perfect so far. So not really criticizing this as much as like it just felt like a, a unnecess- like a half step. Like an unnecessary half step. On Rampage, we had Darby Allen versus Billy Gunn. There were multiple stare-downs with Sting. Gunn sidestepped a Tope Suicida with Darby flying into the barricade. Darby coffin dropped the kids outside, hit Billy with a rolling cutter and a code red, but Billy kicked out of a coffin drop at one. So Darby hit a second one for the 1-2-3. The Suns took out Darby as Billy attacked Sting in the post-match. Now, I, I criticized the match booking here at first, like the fact that they even had this match, but the size differential between them in the ring was so stark that it really did make sense, and I was definitely wrong about that. Now, that said, I hated the idea that Billy Gunn, I know he's a legend, that people know him from WWE, but I hated the idea that Billy Gunn, who is never on TV and absolutely does not need to be protected, kicked out of Darby's finisher at one, and needs to take it twice in order to lose to a guy who is one of your pillars and has been booked extremely strong in AEW. That was just dumb. He is not The Undertaker or Kane or even Mark Henry. He's Billy freaking Gun. So let's please put that in context. It does look like this feud is continuing. I guess it's a way to get the kids some TV time. Uh, They have a really good record, apparently, with all their wins coming on Dark. So I guess they deserve the opportunity. But again, it just kind of, they just showed up kind of out of nowhere. And AEW always expects that you know what's happening on other programs. When again, Dark and Elevation, they're on YouTube. And most people, not all of you, I'm I'm sure some of you watch both programs. Most people, I don't think, have time, if you're watching WWE also, to watch, you know, the five television programs plus YouTube shows. Like I stopped watching 205 Live and stuff. I don't have time. (laughs) I can't do it. Uh, And to my detriment, I've also stopped watching NXT UK. I have to get back into it because it seems really good. But, you know, sometimes you can tell a little bit more of a story on television. Uh, So on Dynamite, we had Gun Club against Bear Mountain. Gun Club won in two minutes after Colton hit the Colt 45. Sting and Darby came out. Darby hit Colton with a shoulder tackle. Then the camera lingered as they stared at each other for like two minutes. I have no idea why that happened. It was really, really strange. Uh, Let's talk about the two women's matches, the TBS tournament matches. On Rampage, we had Jade Cargill against Red Velvet. Jade hit a bro kick. They botched a pinning attempt. Velvet hit a spear for a near fall. She's so tiny that her doing the spear on Jade just looked absolutely weird. Uh, Jade avoided final slice and then came back with jaded for the win. Cargill looked really solid. Like She's definitely improving week to week. I've been saying that for months now. I presume she's going to ultimately win the TBS title. Um, I just cannot buy into Velvet. Every time I see her, I think her matches are sloppy. She doesn't seem to be improving. I hate to say it, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, knock anyone down, but I I just don't see it with her, at least as of right now. On Dynamite, we had Thunder Rosa against Jamie Hayter. Rosa hit a couple missile drop kicks for a near fall. Rosa uh, then hit a Russian leg sweep and got Hayter in a chokehold. But the worst distraction in professional wrestling history, maybe. Let Rick Knox allow some interference on the back end. Baker pulled Rosa off the submission. Then Rosa dodged a super kick that hit Hater and rolled Hater over for the win to advance. Uh, Hater shoved Baker after the match, which does create some intrigue. Maybe there's a split coming. Maybe there's just some consternation in the group. That's always interesting. Uh, I did love this uh, match, Rosa against Hater. It was the best match of the tournament, at least as far as I'm concerned. Hater, in my opinion, again is better in the ring than Baker. Period. She's just a better wrestler. Now, I'm not saying she's a better character um, or performer, but in terms of in-ring ability, I think it's stark difference. Uh, the interference at the end was annoying. But other than that, this match, bang, that was a slight demerit. I went for 3.5 stars and a B. Just really, really great fun work uh, in this match. Baker did a Friendsgiving with Tony Schiavone and Rebel later. Hater was not there. Tony explained that Khan made a Black Friday deal Match for Rampage with Baker against Rio, where if Rio wins, she gets a title match. So it's basically the exact same booking as Abaddon for Halloween. And it's exactly what we criticize WWE doing all the time. You have to beat the champion to get a title match against the champion. Stupid. I don't like it. I don't like it when they do it. I don't like it when AEW does it. And it's repetitive. They're literally doing it two holidays in a row with Britt Baker. The woman can't wrestle, by the way on Dynamite. She has to only wrestle on Rampage. I, I don't get it. Uh, this segment was a huge disappointment, the friends giving It was a fun concept, and I was like, oh, this is going to be pretty cool if they like have people sit around at a table, bring Adam Cole and Bobby Fish, do a whole thing. Instead, it was the normal, really shitty backstage interview with Tony Schiavone and Britt Baker, where the champion, basically the only time you see her on the show, is 30 seconds t- talking to Tony Schiavone, backstage. Yes, I know she was at ringside also, but you get my point. Zero point zero. She just deserves better. On Rampage, Inner Circle was happy with its win at full gear and said they'd have no problem beating their asses again, Being meaning Men of the Year and American Top Team. Men of the Year said pinning Dan Lambert meant nothing, and it wasn't the last we've seen of American Top Team. That was honestly the exact opposite of what I wanted to hear so I'm so done with ATT and any remnants of this feud. I just want it to end. I want all these guys to move on. On Dynamite, Eddie Kingston was backstage in catering when 2.0 and Danny Garcia came up to interrupt his promo, talk trash, throw coffee on his face, and run away. Later, Chris Jericho was doing an interview when the guys were celebrating. Jericho said Kingston's just going to beat their asses and to never interrupt him again. This was the total extent of both of these. There's just nothing much to him. Nothing for me really to add. Uh, Dante Martin was sitting at a table on Dynamite with Team Taz and Leo Rush reviewing his contract offer. Leo stopped him from signing and then Dante did anyway with Leo looking completely confused. So this subverted my expectations and I liked that it was simple and not drawn out. It was very surprising and now I'm intrigued to see how the storyline develops. However, how bad of a businessman is Leo Rush if he spent like those 2 weeks courting Dante Martin gets him to sign up with him? He's talking about leveraged buyouts. And being this genius, this money-making dude, he didn't have him sign a contract? Like, Leo didn't have Dante Martin sign a deal to be with him? He just said, oh, I'll manage you for free? Like, no problem, kid? That doesn't make any sense. That's stupid. So, Leo, bad businessman. But in terms of the storyline, I am interested in the storyline. And then lastly here with AEW, they announced a special Winter is Coming edition of Dynamite for December 15th. I could definitely see this as a spot where some debuts are made. We're talking about all the people that WWE have released. A lot of their contracts still won't be up, those 90-day clauses, but there will be a couple who potentially could show up. I think Bray Wyatt being the most obvious, uh, Wyndham. Now, I don't know if he's going to AEW. They say there haven't been talks, but given that Sting made his debut last year, Wyndham potentially making a debut here, if he does sign with them, would certainly be interesting. It should be a fun show. Uh, Like last year, I think it was I don't think it won the award for Best TV Special, but it was definitely nominated, so I think it has the opportunity to do that again. And also, AEW announced Battle of the Belts for January 8th, Saturday night. I presume it's going to be four title matches on the show. I loved Clash of Champions back in the day from WCW, so this is definitely a cool concept that I'm going to buy into. I'm assuming it's one hour. Four title matches in one hour is really tight, really tough. Um, but maybe they do commercial free or picture in picture for everything that could potentially make it work. So that's AEW from this week, not much notable. Like I'm not being negative. I just thought it was a mediocre or as um, the Miz, I'm sorry, MJF would say it was a midweek for AEW, just, you know, good wrestling, good crowd in Chicago. But really I didn't find even most of the matches to be that notable where it felt like we needed to like go above and beyond and grade them and do all those types of things. But an entertaining week, nonetheless. Promotional consideration for this episode of the Getting Over Wrestling podcast is sponsored by DaVinci, makers of the world's most advanced vaporizers. DaVinci creates a -a one-of-a-kind vaporizing experience combining thoughtful design, meticulous engineering, and innovative technology. The DaVinci IQC vaporizer works with both dry herbs and extracts. It features clean-first technology advanced temperature control, and a replaceable battery to provide a -a one-of-a-kind experience. And just for you, our Getting Over listeners, DaVinci is offering 10% off any purchase of $50 or more on their website, davincivaporizer.com. Simply visit davincivaporizer.com, add products to your cart, and enter promo code DAVINCIGO. Whether you're spoiling yourself or looking for the perfect holiday gift, the DaVinci IQC Vaporizer is an incredible option. Again, visit davincivaporizer.com. That's D-A-V-I-N-C-I vaporizer.com and enter promo code DAVINCIGO for 10% off any purchase of $50 or more now through December 31st, 2021. And thank you to DaVinci for sponsoring this episode. Moving over to NXT, we should also be able to go quick here. Uh, Lots of build for war games. So we will kind of... Shove all of that together in the opening section here, and then we'll kind of move on to everything else. NXT opened with Tommaso Ciampa against Grayson Waller in a non-title match. Uh, Waller broke into the WWE intro that started the show, saying basically that the IWC doesn't matter because true superstars like John Cena, Roman Reigns, etc., they do it themselves and are not universally loved. It was really good promo from him two weeks in a row. I got to give him credit. Way better on the mic than I thought he was going to be. Champa hit an avalanche air raid crash for a near fall. Waller hit a springboard flying elbow drop for a 2.5. Champa caught him coming back in the ring with Willow's Bell and added fairy tale ending for the win. This was a really pleasant surprise. Uh, Waller was impressive, and they got the crowd going the entire time. The crowd was really, really hyped for this match. Later, we had LA Knight versus Joe Gacy scheduled. They got into a confrontation backstage. Gacy was later shown with Harlan's hand on his shoulder. Before the match, Waller attacked Knight from behind And they brawled to the back, and that brawl between both those guys continued over the entire second hour of the show. Gacy had a promo that was interrupted by Diamond Mine. He said he had a problem with Roderick Strong's name being an example of toxic masculinity, the strong part of it, and that the cruiserweight title results in body shaming because it creates a weight class. Strong demanded a match with Gacy, and Malcolm Bivens said they'd make a money match for him at war games. The Creed brothers went to attack when Harlan appeared and backed them off. So Strange heel versus heel dynamic here. Uh, It's odd that they couldn't find a cruiserweight to just make a title match with Roderick Strong. Like, I'm not saying that Gacy shouldn't have a match with him, but the guy's literally a champion, so you would want to fit within the realm of that division. It is clear that NXT sees Gacy as a featured player for them. He maybe is the least impressive of the small crop that they are pushing forward, not counting Von Wagner, who's definitely below him. But he isn't really hitting for me. I I think he has potential. He does have Bray Wyatt potential, just in terms of like, not really so much the look, but the character ability. The question is, is he going to be able to find it? Because look, really, Bray Wyatt is unique. He's There's no one that's ever really been exactly like him, and Gacy is not. The question is, can he get close? And so far, not so good, is what I'd say. But but I'm not hating on the guy. He he has something. There's something there. I don't know that this is the right gimmick for him. Uh, the main event was the North American Championship: Carmelo Hayes versus Johnny Gargano versus Pete Dunn. Dunn cut a passionate promo with a really cool aesthetic in the background, promising to win the title. Tony D'Angelo later bet on Carmelo winning. Mello reiterated that he's the A champion and the leader of the new school. Good nickname and shout out to Charlie Brown, Buster Rhymes, and Dinko Day fantastic match as one would expect. Great synergy between the three guys. Gargano hit Mello with a slingshot spear and then countered bitter end into a DDT for a near fall. Duncock Gargano with the bitter end, but Tony D'Angelo ran in, pulled him out of the ring. That basically ensured that Mello won, so he won his bet. Mello hit his flying leg drop on Gargano for the win in an extremely fun 3.75 star B plus match. Just really damn good main event. Now, after the match, Knight and Waller brawled into the ring. They continued that brawl I was mentioning earlier. With the rookies teaming up to batter the veterans, Mello was about to crush Gargano's hand in a chair. When Ciampa came out, dragging a chair, and he chased the rookies off. Fans chanted war games and were on their feet. Champa helped up Gargano. They nodded at each other. Braun Breaker then came out, screamed war games, and all eight guys brawled as sirens blared throughout the PC. I really like this booking. Uh, it interfered... With the triple threat match, obviously, and that, of course, is not my ideal situation. The match could have reached a higher level with a super clean finish. But given all the changes in NXT, it is pretty smart to do old school versus new school like this at war games. Braun, Waller, Mello, and D'Angelo are the four perfect rookies to beat on that side. And as for the veterans, the only person that really could have been replaced was Knight for Kyle O'Reilly, but obviously O'Reilly has another match. We'll talk about that in a moment. The question here is whether four dudes who are relatively green are going to be able to put on a really tough match of this caliber. We do get DIY teaming up again, and it's enjoyable that this is not a baby face versus heel dynamic. It's something different uh, for WarGames. That's exciting. There was a report, by the way, that Gargano extended his NXT contract for one week to make sure he was under contract for this match. Does that mean he's leaving afterward? Well, That's basically what Adam Cole did. He extended his contract one week and then he left. I never would have guessed that Johnny Gargano would leave NXT and WWE. Of course, I never would have guessed that NXT would have gone from black and gold to Nickelodeon colors, but that is where we're at. Um, Candice LeRae, I believe, is still under contract for a longer period of time. So I don't exactly know. Maybe this is negotiation and he's trying to get a bigger deal. There were reports that WWE really wants to keep Johnny Gargano. Of course they do. Of course they should. Uh, This is concerning to me as a Gargano fan, someone who believes he actually fits better. I don't say this about everyone, but with Gargano, I believe he fits better in NXT and WWE. I want to see him move into the Daniel Bryan role. He has that ability to be that for WWE if they see it in him. Maybe they don't, maybe they do. I don't know, but we'll see what happens here. Uh, Toxic Attraction walked backstage talking shit about Cora Jade when Dakota Kai sidled up beside them. They walked past a bunch of broken stuff. And then Kaylee Ray soon revealed herself as the one who had broken it all. Later, Cora Jade got the other members of her team to stop arguing by saying the can they coexist shit is old and boring, uh, but they need a fourth member. So we had Mandy Rose versus Cora Jade in a non-title match. Late in the match, KLR came down with a bat and started breaking shit. She threw the bat to the referee, which distracted Rose, who got folded in half by Jade for the upset win. KLR then told the face team backstage, I'm joining you and I'm going to be in the advantage ladder match. Uh, The talent differential here between the heels and the faces in this WarGames match, it is stark. No pun intended. WarGames is tough and I'm sure they're going to spot it out well. But I am curious to see if they can pull it off with a couple less talented wrestlers needing to really hold up their end of the bargain for the heel side here. I did enjoy the simple booking to set up the match. The face team is exceptionally strong. I do think both WarGames matches are going to be good. But at the same time, it's like, can they be? You know, there's a lot for them to live up to, I guess is what I'm really getting at. Uh, Cameron Grimes came out with a trimmed beard and shorter hair, saying he kept his gruff look to remind him of his humble beginnings, even though he struck it rich. And then Duke Hudson took that away from him by cutting his hair and beard. Hudson came on screen in a barber's chair, saying he was just trying to do him a favor, and Grimes challenged him to a hair versus hair match at War Games. So this makes complete sense as the match, of course, you know, based on the booking. I just can't say I'm overly excited for it. It should be well wrestled, I presume Hudson will lose given the context of Grimes' promo. By the way, Grimes was excellent on the mic here and looked much better with everything trimmed. As a clean-cut dude, he has a really marketable look that he just didn't have as the wild hair, wild beard uh, version of himself. Uh, There was a vignette for a spoiled country club rich daddy's girl called Tiffany Stratton, which is a really good name for that type of gimmick. I presume this will be less clueless and more heel. And I think it's a good chance that it's gonna work. I did see some people immediately comparing this to Frankie Monet's old gimmick. I think that's ridiculous. I have no idea where people are getting that from. Yes, Frankie was flashy. She wore jewels and diamonds and stuff, but she wasn't a spoiled rich girl, daddy's girl at a country club. These are completely different gimmicks. Frankie never spoke about any of those things. So I think it's a unique good gimmick. Again, is it, you know, a few years too late, just kind of like Duke Hudson and the poker stuff? Yeah, it's probably 10 years too late for this gimmick. Um, doesn't mean it can't work. Let's see how they present it. Uh, Caden Carter and Casey kent Nazaro fought Indy Hartwell and Persia Parada. Indy explained backstage that Loomis is a broken hand and is going to be out for a month, but he's hurt emotionally because he can't draw. Uh, the Casey's won with Casey, kent uh being thrown off Caden's shoulders, uh, off the second rope for a splash on Indy. Pretty cool move. Look, I love that they're getting pushed and the loss for Indy is given all of her distractions, I thought it was easy to accept. I do wish this got a little bit more time. That was really my only concern, but the idea that Kaden and Casey are getting pushed and can be in that women's tag team picture, hopefully win the titles in NXT, I really think they can work on the main roster. I say it every time. I just don't know why they're not there yet. Santos Escobar fought Malik Blade. Escobar won with a Phantom Driver, and that was his return match to NXT. Electro Lopez cut a promo, Von Wagner with Kyle O'Reilly struggled through a promo saying they wanted a tag team title shot because Wagner's foot was below the rope against Legato del Fantasma. Imperium showed up uh, and they cut a decent promo, said they would let the other two teams fight for a number one contendership with the winner taking them on at war games. So this was all a bit messy. And while I love Legato, I just wish there was something for Escobar to sink his teeth into. He should be in the main event picture. He should be challenging Tommaso Ciampa for the title. He shouldn't be an also-ran as part of a group in which he's the leader. And that's what he felt like in this segment. Uh, MSK, in their latest video, got pulled over by police and tossed their bag of essentials back and forth, nervous, trying to talk to the officer. It was a black sheep movie gimmick, the one with Chris Farley. I hope you guys have seen that. uh, With them driving seven miles per hour, and not actually speeding when they got pulled over. They were about to open the bag for police when a car sped by and got them out of it. Again, I don't mind the content or concept of these. I actually like the idea of a buddy road trip, but these are just not funny. If you're going to do comedy, it needs to be funny. And it's just not, at least not for me, as of right now. Do nothing! Do nothing. Uh, Ivy Nile fought Ulisa Leon, Niall did push-ups on Leon's back and one with an extremely unique dragon sleeper chokehold, cranking Leon's neck from the side and doing it behind her back. Niall, for me, remains incredibly impressive. If she can continue improving, uh, she might be awesome despite her diminutive size. I just think she has a really cool look. She looks like Ronda Rousey, but smaller and way more muscular somehow. Like, I don't know. She's just really cool looking. Uh, Sola Sekoa got a vignette calling himself the street champion of the islands. It was well done. Boa also got one explaining that Mi-Ying passed her strength and spirit onto him, but he hasn't been able to control it. When he does, though, he will be feared. This was good. It was improved. It was what should have aired last week before his re-debut for us to understand what he's actually about. Uh, The fact that it happened after, obviously not ideal, but at least they actually were able to get it in. That is what's important. Uh, The Grizzled Young Veterans, lastly, fought uh, Brooks Jensen and Josh Briggs. James Drake sold an injured knee which was him acting. Uh, Zach Gibson got booted off the top rope and the rookie said a high-low finisher for the win. There was nothing wrong with this per se, but it's really hurting me to see GYV lose to a rookie team that itself has limited upside when GYV has massive upside, not just in NXT, but on the main roster. GYV should be competing for titles uh, in NXT. They should be featured players eventually, soon maybe, on the main roster. Hopefully this is just a bump in the road for them and everything else is going to work out. So that is it for this edition of the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast. I appreciate everyone listening as we broke down NXT, AEW, Dynamite, AEW, Rampage. I hope everyone is having a happy Thanksgiving, whether you're listening to us in transit, going to and from houses, uh, or afterward on Black Friday through the weekend to next week. I just hope this episode finds you and your loved ones well. Please take my advice about the... uh, thanksgiving food while when you sit down at the table if you are listening to this before your meal Uh, but more than anything i just hope everyone has a great holiday start to a great holiday season and the way you can uh share your thanks tell us you're thankful for the getting over wrestling podcast it's very easy all you need to do is remember that getting over so head on over to apple Podcasts, leave a five-star rating and review let people know how much you love the show and also please do not forget to follow us on Twitter at GettingOverCast. So that's it for today. We will be back on Tuesday talking WWE. With that, I will leave you with three final words. Bye for now.